Okay, so Saul hates Christ and all his followers. And while Saul is seeking to destroy Christ and his followers is the exact time that Jesus overwhelmingly loves Saul with his grace. Saul hates Jesus. Jesus responds with life-changing love upon Saul. What is that? The gospel. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Live in the Light. We're glad that you're here today because yesterday we started to look at an amazing story of God's grace and mercy to somebody who least deserved it. Yes, we looked at the remarkable story of Paul, the apostle, who, before he came to meet Jesus, was the worst of the worst, a murderer, a persecutor of the church. But on the road to Damascus so long ago, Paul had an appointment with Jesus. Paul would need to be blinded in order to finally see. It's an amazing story. It's an encouraging story. It's a supernatural conversion. Let's turn now to Acts 9 and join up with Pastor Robbie for today's message. Oh, Lord, would you encourage your church with you? God, would you build the faith of your church with you? God, would you cause us to look around and rather than having fear, have the faith and to know that you never, ever worry. And the closer we are to Jesus Christ, there's no reason for us to worry ultimately as well. Worship him also for this. This is so good, okay? Notice as Saul was trying to literally destroy Jesus, was the exact time that Jesus overwhelmingly loved Saul. Okay, so Saul hates Christ and all his followers, and while Saul is seeking to destroy Christ and his followers is the exact time that Jesus overwhelmingly loves Saul with his grace. Saul hates Jesus. Jesus responds with life-changing love upon Saul. What is that? The gospel. While we were still sinners, Romans 5, Christ died for us. While we were at enmity with God, Romans 5, Jesus Christ overwhelmingly loves us and saves us and dies for us, that all our sins will be paid for. Again, as we are enemies and hate God in our sin, Jesus Christ overwhelmingly loves us with grace and mercy and inexhaustible love upon our lives for all those who believe in him and received his gift upon their lives. Isn't God's love amazing? Right here in this point and in this way, I mean, just, just look at it, see it. Um, embrace it, love it. Who's that for right now? I love that Saul gets knocked over by light. I love that's the light of the knowledge of the glory of Jesus Christ. Hey, for everyone who's saved right now, you're generally saved in Jesus Christ. Can you remember the time, the season of your life where the light of Jesus Christ overwhelmed you and brought you to salvation? Can you remember that season? For me, it was March 9th, 1997. I mean, I love the metaphor, the light of Christ and the power because I was literally saved to a song that's called In the Light. And I remember just confessing and singing as loud as I could over and over and over again at that time in my life. I wanna be in the light. I wanna be in the light as you are in the light. I wanna shine like the stars in the heaven. 
I wanna be in the light, I wanna be in the light. Can you remember when the light of the Lord Jesus Christ came into your darkness that you would never be the same again. Isn't it interesting in Acts 26, that part of Paul's testimony, because his conversion is stated in Acts 9, Acts 22, and Acts 26, which says something too. Isn't it interesting in Acts chapter 26, Paul testifies the part of what Christ said to him, I'm gonna use you to bring people from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. Isn't that awesome? He himself right here living this out. This is what's happening. Listen, 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 ready, ready? So important in our day. The devil comes to us in the darkness. Jesus comes to us with his light. So where's the darkness creeping in, man? And you gotta run to the light. Young people, old people, everyone in between. Watch for the darkness. Satan comes in the darkness. The confusion, the fear, the despair, the discouragement, the evil, the sin. Jesus comes to us in his light. Lord, shine your light, shine your light upon this community and nation, amen? Shine your light. Lord Jesus Christ, shine your light. I think some of you right now, you might even be here taking nothing for granted. Some here right now filled with anger. Some here right now, maybe even filled with a sense of hate. But I pray Jesus Christ in his love confronts you right now with light and he confronts you with love, just like, just like Saul in this text. Some even here right now listening, present with us right now, some even hold great disdain for the church. But notice in verses four and five, Notice, Jesus makes it so clear that persecution against the church is persecution against Jesus himself. Isn't that interesting, eh? Jesus says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's personal to Jesus. To hate the church of Christ is to hate Christ himself. You can't separate the church from Christ. You can't separate the head of the church from the body, again, of the church. Notice here too with, Saul, again, soon to be Paul, notice when Saul could physically see is when he was spiritually blind. But the moment he becomes physically blind is the moment he gains spiritual sight. I mean, you think Paul knew what he's talking about in 2 Corinthians 3.18 when he says, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord or be transformed with one degree of glory to another, beholding the glory. In this moment, in Acts 9, Saul is arrested, brought to nothing, blinded by the glory of the light of Jesus Christ. When you see the light of Christ, you'll never be the same again. When you stare into the light of the glory and the power of Jesus Christ, your life will never be the same again. I wonder, even right now, listen, it's the brokenness that leads to the beauty. It's the personal devastation that leads to delight in Christ. It's when we become nothing, we start to see life as everything in Jesus. It's when we are humbled, then we start to see the exaltation of Jesus Christ. It's when we realize in our sinful state and in the brokenness of our reality as when you actually begin to see again the purpose and meaning. Who here today needs to be broken? Broken in yourself, admitting you can't do it. Brokenness and sin, blinded by the light to actually see then the glory of Jesus Christ and actually start to live. Who here needs today needs to receive the Lord Jesus Christ? Who here need, today needs to confess your sin, turn from sin and run to Jesus Christ as savior? I implore you to do so as the Lord is working in your heart and filling you with faith, maybe for the first time ever. 
And there are a few conversion stories, again, so powerful is what we're reading right now. And you know, you think of Saul's life, it is a, it is a wonderful example and proof of what has famously been called the hound of heaven. You know that poem, The Hound of Heaven? The Hound of Heaven is the famous poem by Francis Thompson who brilliantly described the, the chasing grace of God. Now think of God's grace chasing down Saul to save him and overcome him. There's a quote by J.F. O'Connor about the poem, The Hound of Heaven so long. I couldn't read it for you right now. But this is a quote about the hound of heaven, which I found to be so beautifully summarizing why this has been so famous. He says this, he says, as the hound follows the hare, I want to read it slowly because I want us to take it in. Never ceasing in its running, ever drawing near in the chase, with unhurrying and imperturbed pace, so does God follow the fleeing soul by his divine grace. Although, and though in sin or in human love, away from God, it seeks to hide itself, trying to run away from God. Divine grace follows after, unwearingly follows ever after, till the soul feels its pressure, forcing it to turn to him alone. And in that never ending pursuit. Certainly this was Paul the grace of God would not give up. Chasing down the individual it seeks to absolutely transform by light and love. Maybe you right now, like Saul, you've been running from God's grace. Man, I, I'd be so awesome right now. The Lord working supernaturally upon lives right here, listening to this. You, like, you, you just, you're sitting here right now. And you're hearing these last few sentences. And like I say, maybe running from God's grace. And you're like, that is, I cannot believe that's being said right now. That is so me. That's exactly what I've been doing. Running from God's love. Yet his, gra yet his grace pursues you yet again. Yet his grace pursues you still. Maybe in wonder right now you're sitting here and you're like, how did I get here? Why am I here right now? How is this happening to me again? You're not even sure exactly how you got here right now. And yet another proof of the hound of heaven pursuing you, chasing, chasing grace upon your life. You've tried to run from his grace and his love. You tried to get away, but he won't give up. The grace of God keeps coming. Forgiveness keeps being offered. Love keeps being poured out. The incredible power and glory of God's redeeming grace. This is Saul's story. This could be your story today too. It's certainly my story the chasing grace of God, hunting you down. You're dead. In a good way, in a good way, in a good way. It's over. He's gonna win. Turn, confess, repent, be saved, be changed, be transformed, believe, start to live life as it was meant to be lived for the glory of Jesus Christ. If you notice verse nine, look at verse nine now. It says, and for three days, Saul was without sight. So he was taken from those who were traveling with him. He couldn't see three days without sight and he neither ate nor drank. Now what's, what's up with that? He was, he was so, the intensity of what happened to him, the impact of this conversion. 
the momentum, the magnitude of encountering Jesus Christ in this way. Three days without sight, three days without food, three days without water. You know what happened here too, we believe? It's these three days, Saul would find out what he really believes. He would take this uninterrupted time to really decide what does, think think of all the theology he had in his mind. Think of all the religion and all, think of the Old Testament. He would have memorized backwards and forwards. And in this moment, after encountering Christ, all of a sudden, all the head started to connect with the heart. Can you imagine the light bulbs of Saul as he sat there for three days, thinking of every Old Testament prophecy, all of a sudden making the connection, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. I mean, how much did he cry? How much did he stand in awe? How much did he just sit there and bask in the glory and the presence of God and being overwhelmed with the goodness and the greatness and the beauty and the majesty of Jesus? That's what happened these three days. As he could not see, did not eat, and did not, there was no time to eat or drink. He was too overwhelmed with Jesus Christ. What did he believe about God's love, God's grace? Most importantly, what did he believe about God's son? You answer the question of who is God's son, who is Jesus Christ, and you answer the most important question you will ever answer. And we know from Paul here, Saul, Paul, he would never be the same again. And by the way, just be so encouraged too, like you be so encouraged with the sovereignty of God. Be so encouraged here too. Listen, if Saul can be saved, anyone can be saved. I mean, do you believe that? I mean, if Saul can be saved, anyone can be saved. This is a day for faith, church. This is a day for faith. There's a ton of hope all over this. No, listen, listen, no one is too far from God. I just, it's so, I mean, again, if there's one person here who needs to hear this, it's so worth it. You're here right now. I'm too sinful. No, not too sinful for Jesus Christ. I'm too far gone. Nope, not too far gone for Jesus Christ. Listen, you can't be any worse than Saul here, literally murdering Christians and hating Jesus Christ and trying to destroy the church. This is why Jesus died every single sin you could ever imagine. He covered by those who trust in him by faith and receive his grace. There's no one too far, no one too evil, no one too far gone, no one too left behind. Anyone, anyone can be redeemed by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the whole reason he died. Take away all shame and guilt. To take away every single sin. And you're listening, you're like, this is, this is too good to be true. It sounds like it, doesn't it? But it is. It's true. It's true. That's how much Jesus Christ loves us. This is what he has done for us. I mean, Jesus, what a friend for sinners. What a friend for sinners all our shame gone, inexhaustible grace upon us to be received by those who believe. Saul was confronted with the light of love. And then thirdly, we see this. He was chosen to carry the name of Christ. Chosen to carry the name. Look at, look at, look at verse 10 now. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. By the way, right here, prayer is one of the great signs that you know the Lord Jesus Christ. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call in your name. 
But the Lord said to him, silly Ananias. Oh no, that's me, that's me. He says, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Listen, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So again, look, look, look at the sovereignty of God dripping from this text. God chooses Ananias. We know about Ananias later on, a devout man, a godly man, a leader of sorts among the people, the Christians in Damascus at that time. Now, initially notice this, God speaks, Ananias hears, and Ananias is totally available. Here I am, Lord. That incredible statement, here I am, Lord, available and willing. And then he hears what God commands. And he says, Ananias, go lay your hands on Saul to regain his sight. And all of a sudden, Ananias went from totally available to somewhat reluctant. You see that? Somewhat reluctant. I love how Ananias here, I mean, we look, we look at, it's easy for us to say, again, I, I have so much grace for Ananias, but it is funny in some sense, Ananias starts to debrief God on the situation here, right? I mean, that's what he's doing. It, it's, it's kind of funny. He's like, Lord, I'm not sure if you're aware. Like, I'm not sure if you've heard, but this guy you want me to go lay hands on, like he's done some pretty bad things and he seems to have, you know, I love in verse 14, he says to God about Saul, he says, God, um, Saul has authority. Now just, now just think about that for a second, okay? God, Saul has authority from the high priest. Now, if you're God, are you worried about that? You know what I'm saying? Like, just like, like, he's like, hey, nice. You want to talk about authority? Like, really, really, son? You want to talk about authority? I mean, this is what I think, I think after this all happened, that after the events of Acts chapter nine, I think Ananias would look back and he would say to himself, what was I thinking, Right? Like, what was I thinking? I think, you know, in our day, if Ananias could text God and, and he was sending a text, God, I, you know, I'm really sorry. I think he would end his text with this emoji right here, okay? With this emoji. I think that's what he would end with right there, okay? Like, 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 like don't you, God, you know, I'm not sure. Maybe not a good idea, whatever. I just think he'd be like, man, I'm such an idiot. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? And of course, he's got so much grace as well. And by the way, by, by the way, I'm so glad we never do that to God. God calls us somewhere like, well, God, have you, you know, our culture right now? God, you know, the government, God, the new laws are coming, God, the educators. God, have you seen our society? I mean, how many times, God, are you sure you want it? And God's like, really? Like, am I on my throne or not? Am I the one who's in charge or not? Am I sovereign or not? Do you believe, do, do you believe that I hold all power or not? Child, do you believe that or not? Ananias, he would find out to greater. Again, I have so much grace for Ananias because there's things I'll struggle with as well. It's easy to look at him, but it's kind of funny. But it's also very, very encouraging for us to say, man, we do that, we do that. But Lord, help, help us to see you who you are. And what God basically does, basically does in verse 15, he interrupts. He's like, I've heard enough. Listen, Ananias, go, go. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, enough already, just go, go. He's a chosen instrument of mine. That is, verse 15 is very, very powerful. A chosen instrument of mine. So let's stop there for a second. Let's check out the loaded theology in this one statement, go, he is a chosen instrument um, of mine. On the screen for you, a few little sub points there I want you to see, notice this, we just take, Ananias finds out that Saul has been chosen by God. Chosen by God. Now watch in this conversion, who initiates, God initiates. Who acts, God acts. Who moves, God moves. Who saves, God saves. Right here in Saul's conversion is a wonderful illustration of the doctrine of election powerfully beautiful, mind-blowing, but awesome, undeniable based on our text right here. There's no part of Saul, Paul, 
that later on could say, well, you know what? I chose God. I'm the one who kind of sought Jesus. No, 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 no. You were trying to kill Jesus. And of course, Paul would never say that all throughout his letters. He's like, yeah, man, God's sovereign. He did it. God chose me. God chose me. There's nothing in Saul, Paul, that could say, I initiated this event. Everything would be the Lord. The story I read this week on this issue, there's an old story about a little boy in a Sunday school class who was asked of what part he played in his salvation. And the boy said that his conversion was partly God's work and partly his work. The teacher was shocked by the strange answer and asked what part he played in his salvation. The little boy said, I opposed God all I could and God did the rest. And that's, and that's, that's all our lives, isn't it? I opposed God all that I could and God did the rest. And that is the same doctrine of election that we see here that, that saved Saul. I don't, I, don't, I don't claim to say this is simple or this is easily understood to the human mind. There's certainly a level of human responsibility taught in scripture. We get all that, but at the end of the day, God is the one who initiates and we give him glory for that. We give him glory for his working in our lives before we were born, chosen Ephesians 1, incredible things. Again, Paul's life right here, a powerful illustration. Notice this secondly, possession of God. So chosen by God, possession of God. Verse 15, notice, he is an instrument of mine. Man, like I want us who are saved in Christ right now to hear that personally. You are an instrument that belongs to God. You are in Saul's possession. You are Saul's child. You, again, you are God's child. You are God's, but you are God's affection. Saul belongs to the Lord for the purposes of the Lord. That's awesome. He's a chosen instrument of mine. That is incredible glory right here. Um, A beautiful hymn, uh, Jesus, what a friend of sinners. Um, Jesus, I do now receive him. More than all in him I find. He has granted me forgiveness. And this is, listen, listen, I am his. I am his. Who needs to hear that again today? I am the Lord's and the Lord is mine. I mean, this this right here, that theological statement is true for every person alive in Jesus Christ. I mean, just, just, just marinate in that for, you know, a few years. I am his. God says, you are mine. You belong to me. You are a chosen instrument of mine. I am his and and the Lord belongs to me. Man, again, those are things that I think we need to sit on more. Okay, so I'm gonna double down just a little bit more here. You're saved in Jesus Christ right now, okay? That's you, you're alive. Listen, ready, ready? For, for no merit of your own or my own, for no reason of earning, but by the grace of the gospel, this is true. Ready, ready, receive it. God delights in you. Some of you don't believe that. If you're saved in Jesus Christ, it's not about what you did yesterday. It's not about if you were a good boy or good girl this past week. It's because his son died for you and forgave you and lives in you. Ready? God delights in you. Some of you still don't believe this, man. God loves you. He delights in you. All he sees in you at the end of the day is his son in you. He sees the righteousness of his son. He delights in you. You're like, yeah, man, but I was in my Bible enough this week. That's not the point. But I haven't shared my faith enough this year. That's not the point. 
Well, there's things I could have, yeah, yeah, me too. But that's not the basis of the gospel. The basis of the gospel is that we are sinners in desperate need of a savior who pours his grace upon us. There's nothing we can do to make God love us more and nothing we can do to make God love us less. That's the reality. And even as I say it, I need to hear this. Robbie, God delights in you. You're like, really? He's like, oh yeah. More than you can ever imagine. The day will come soon you stand before me face to face and you will see in the power of my glory just how much I meant what I said. God loves you. See, and when you feel that and know that, that's what spurs us on to holiness. That's what makes us want to serve him in return, not to earn, but to love. That's the power. He's a chosen instrument of mine. So chosen by God, possession of God, instrument, again, instrument, instrument of God. A chosen vessel, a chosen channel, a chosen instrument. Isn't that awesome? Like, um, so Saul becomes like um, a bugle in the hand of God. Saul's not special, but the tune that God plays through Saul's life is supernatural. And that is true for all of us who are saved in Jesus Christ. We are instruments for the name of Jesus. That's why the season this year, a thousand seats praying for a thousand souls. We are all instruments for the name, to carry the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice this too, okay, this is important. There's so much we could unpack in this and time doesn't permit everything, but notice before Ananias even reaches Saul, the promise of suffering is already upon Saul, Paul's life. You see that? And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So the, the narrow way is already promised. The difficulty, the suffering, the persecution, the hardship now for the glory to come. Suffering now, perfection later. Hardship now, glory to come. Difficulty, opposition now. Perfection, sinlessness, heaven, new heavens, new earth later. Already promised upon Saul Paul's life before he's even reached by Ananias. That's something. And then notice what happens there. Notice what happens. So it says, verse 17. So Ananias departed, entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, it must have been quite a moment. The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit and immediately. Something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. Wow, wow. So think about it. Saul filled with the Holy Spirit, confirmed God's working. And the first thing he does is get baptized. Can you, okay, remember baptism is the symbol. I am turning, I am announcing to all those, I am a follower of Christ. Can you imagine the moment, the feeling, the passion, the impact, the statement of Saul's baptism? the guy who was killing people who were doing this, and now he gets baptized right away as a symbol, I now follow it. You think baptism is important to God? Ah, uh, yeah. Some of you here right now, you can still be baptized, of course. 16 this weekend, how awesome is that? We'll keep baptizing as long as there are people who know they need to. The first thing Saul does is get baptized. Hey, Living the Light listeners, listen, you've heard of Black Friday. You've probably heard of Cyber Monday. But have you heard of Giving Tuesday? That's a time again for people who are fired up about ministries like Live in the Light to give on Tuesday, November 29th. 
to, again, ministries like ours to see the gospel continue to go forward and lives to be changed through the revelation of God's truth. Did you know that we are kept on the air on this station 100% by generous donors like yourselves? It's so true. We are dependent on you and the support and prayer, again, of our listeners to continue to see these messages go out and we pray reach so many people again for the Lord Jesus Christ. And this year, we're excited to say we had a special donor step up and they are willing, again, to match gifts up to $25,000. They're going to match, again, all donations up to that amount towards living the light in this giving season. So, hey, maybe right now you you consider being used of the Lord to uh, see how you can be used to give generously, to live in the light that will continue to reach people again a donor is going to match up to $25,000 we're so thankful for that donor and thankful for you for considering being used in this way at this time to see light shine in the darkness and to see those again without hope to find the hope that is found in Jesus Christ bless you all for prayerfully considering such things thanks for listening to us today join us again next time on live in the light 